0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Uh, thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. And I'd like to take, take just a moment and uh, to talk about the podcast process itself and then move into today's topic. Uh, I'm often asked how I decide what to talk about on the podcast. And the answer is simple. I talk about what people are talking to me about. In other words I'm out traveling speaking and doing ministry and ministry leaders ask me questions or bring problems to me or want to talk about issues and that means that that's what people are thinking about and so that's what I try to talk about on the podcast but I'd also like to invite you that are listening to email me at jefforge.gs. excuse me at jefforge@gs.edu uh, and just say, hey, listen, how about a podcast on this subject or this idea or this theme? And i uh, love to hear from you, and when I do, I'll try to do a podcast on your idea. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the input. Well, today I want to talk with you about the value of a variety of perspectives, especially on decision-making and leadership problems. Now, this uh, idea came to me again uh, recently while I was reading the Bible devotionally. I've been reading through the Gospel of John, And when I arrived at John 11, verses 45 and 46, it says this, Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, raising Lazarus from the dead, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And when I read that, I thought, man, two different perspectives. Some people came to follow Jesus because he had raised a man from the dead, but others uh, couldn't wait to go and tell the religious leaders what he had done, that they might bring some corrective. Then as I'm reading on in John, I get to the next chapter, and there's the story of Mary who took a pound of perfume, uh, chapter 12, verse 3, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But notice again the different perspectives. Then one of the disciples, Judas, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And of course, He said that because he cared about money, not because he cared about the poor. But Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Again, different perspectives. Uh, Mary saw this opportunity to anoint Jesus with this valuable perfume, and Judas saw it as a a waste of money and a waste of resource. So I kept reading. And I got down to verse 9. And it says, Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. So once again, difference of perspective. The crowds were drawn to Jesus by the raising of Lazarus, but also the chief priests, they decided to kill Lazarus, because they didn't like what was happening as a result of his resurrection. And then John 12, down in verses 28 and 29, we see it one more time. This is an interesting one. Jesus is uh, uh, in, in having an encounter with God, and he says in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled. Why should I say, Father, save me from this hour? But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So once again, different perspectives on the same event. Everyone heard a noise. Some thought it was thunder. Some thought it was an angel. Jesus heard the voice of God, his Father. Now, as I read through this passage of Scripture devotionally, I was reminded of the different ways that people see uh, the same set of circumstances or the same situation. Uh, in terms of Lazarus' resurrection, some followed Jesus, some despised him for it. In terms of the uh, the use of perfume to anoint Jesus, some saw it as an act of worship, some saw it as wasteful practice. In terms of a voice from heaven, some heard it as thunder, some heard it as an angel's voice, but at least one person heard the voice of God himself. And so as I read through this passage of scripture devotionally, I was reminded that people have different perspectives. Now, When I first started out in ministry leadership, I frankly thought that people who had a different perspective than mine were either uh, not very bright or were spiritually dull or were, in the worst case, um, antagonistically motivated by the devil or by evil influences to oppose what God wanted to do through me and our church. Now, I've grown a significant amount since then, and I've grown out of that childish way of viewing this different perspectives issue. And now I've come to own the fact that uh, while in this passage, these passages of scripture that I've read, these different perspectives are often presented in the negative versus the positive, I've learned that different perspectives can have a positive impact on us in ministry leadership. In my book, Leading Major Change in Your Ministry, I wrote this. Uh, group decisions promote wisdom. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future, Proverbs nineteen twenty. Group decisions also lead to success. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors they succeed, Proverbs 15, 22. Paul usually traveled with a team and often wrote using the pronouns we or us, not just as a literary device, but as a statement of collective leadership, 2 Corinthians 1, 6-10 and 1 Corinthians 4, 1. In most cases where elders or apostles are mentioned in the New Testament, they're mentioned in the plural, focusing more on their group identity than their individual office. Learning to lead with colleagues accelerates leadership influence, improves decision-making, and makes leading change uh, more uh, makes it possible to lead change more effectively. Now, those are some scriptural references about the importance of owning the different perspectives people have as a positive in ministry leadership or in ministry decision-making. So I want to talk for the rest of the podcast about the value of having different perspectives in your leadership team, uh, different des- perspectives in your decision-making group that will help you to make the best decisions possible. First of all, the value of the, uh, different perspectives are valuable because they create more ideas than one person can produce. For example, um, we've been working on a strategic planning process here at the seminary for this past year. And I put one particular person on that task force because he's an idea-a-minute man. This guy can create more ideas than probably anyone else I've ever known. Now, most of his ideas won't work. They're impractical. Uh, they're, 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 they're just not thought through very thoroughly. They're one-dimensional. But I wanted him on the task force because he is not afraid to create new ideas, to voice those new ideas, and to bounce them around the room until the one good idea out of the 20 or 40 or 100 that he comes up with really emerges. In fact, he jokingly says, sometimes I come up with an idea, and 15 minutes later, I've come up with five ideas uh, to replace that one and three reasons why the first one was wrong. And that process, he said, goes on in his mind all day long every day. It must be crowded in there. But in his mind, there are all these ideas that are just constantly percolating. He's like a human popcorn machine of ideas. That's a good thing. And so I want people like that in my decision-making structure. Not because I'm going to do every one of their ideas, but because I want to be sure that we have creative, innovative thinking going on, and that we're not just rehashing the same old thoughts that all the rest of us have. So one value of different perspectives on your leadership team is that they create more ideas than any one person can produce. Uh, Another good reason to have plurality of perspectives is that uh, a team of leaders can edit out bad ideas and keep them from doing harm. I've given up counting how many times I've come up with an idea, taken it to my leadership team, and uh, after presenting it, heard the proverbial crickets in response. Just quiet silence. And I look around the room and I say, what? what, what's wrong with this idea? And we work well enough together here, and we've known each other long enough that sometimes the guys will say something like this. What's wrong with this idea? How, how long do you have? How long of a list do you want? Uh, what's wrong with this with this idea? It will take longer to describe than necessary. Just hear us, man. That is not going to work. Um, a group perspective can edit out bad ideas because when you come into a perspective like I'm in, you roll out a new idea immediately. The perspectives in the room start analyzing it from where they from their vantage point. So, for example, one vice president's thinking about legal issues and financial issues. Another vice president's thinking about fundraising issues and public relations issues. Another vice president's thinking about student recruitment and student retention and how this idea might affect that. Another uh, per, uh, person is thinking about the academic program and whether this affects the academic program, how it impacts the academic program, how the academic program will respond to the idea. And so everyone around the table has different perspectives and because of that, they can edit out bad ideas by pointing out a flaw that from my perspective I just simply didn't see. So one value of different perspectives is they create more ideas than any one person can produce, but a second one is they edit out bad ideas and keep them from doing harm. And sometimes this second reason can be kind of painful for those of us who are in leaders in leadership who, who pop out these new ideas. Uh, one of my most famous moments in this was when the seminary was relocating and rebranding. We were talking about what what our online domain name would, meet, would be for Gateway Seminary. And I had uh, given a lot of thought to this, and uh, so I went to a meeting and said, well, here's my proposal for the Gateway domain name, and I rolled it out. And this was one of those times when I heard uh, crickets in the room, just eerie silence, you know. And I said, what, what, what's wrong with this? This is a great idea, guys. Come on. And they're all just kind of looking at me. And then one vice president said, well, uh, that's a great domain name if you're naming a junior high youth group. <laughs> oh, man, that was tough to hear. And I looked around the room, and everyone's kind of got these smirky smiles on their face, nod their head like, yeah, what he said. Oh, my, that was hard to hear. And I said, what do you mean, junior high youth group? They said, hey, look, man, we're an adult graduate school. We're a seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention. Cutesy isn't going to cut it in our domain name. We need a nice, solid, normal domain name. So what do we come up with? GS.edu. Well, that's pretty simple, but it works, and it's been working well, and that was one of the good days when one of my bad ideas got edited out and kept from doing harm. Another time this happened, uh, I went to a meeting, and I rolled out one of my brilliant ideas. And uh, when I finished, the vice president at the time, who's responsible for business and legal issues, said, you can't do that. Now, that really rankled me. Um, I, I'm a president of a seminary. I don't like to be told no, and I certainly don't want to be told what I can't do. And so I said, don't tell me what I can and what I can't do. Now, if you oppose the idea, say so, but come on, let's not start with that. And he said, you're right, Mr. President. Um, I apologize for that. Uh, that, was a, that was a summary conclusion that I, I shouldn't have said to you. Uh, it's not my job to tell you what you can and can't do, and I apologize. And I said, hey, listen, I, that's fine. Uh, you know, sorry, I kind of flashed on you too. So what do you mean? And he goes, Mr. President, let me rephrase. You may do what you've just proposed, but you will go to jail. (laughs) And I said, all right, now you can say that. Why why would I go to jail? He said, well, because uh, generally accepted accounting practices and uh, fraud laws and other issues come into effect on how you're proposing to handle that money and how you're proposing to handle that situation, and and what you're proposing won't work uh, because you will go to jail. And I said, well, that is a great insight, and I thank you for that. Um, How can I do this without going to jail? He said, well, let me see if I can throw out some ideas. And so he started giving out some different options and possibilities, and we ultimately settled on one of those because it was a better idea, and it kept me out of jail. But it's just another good example of what I'm talking about here. When people have different perspectives and they bring those perspectives into leadership or into decision making, uh, they can edit out some bad ideas and keep you from doing harm with an idea that you may have thought was just great until somebody raises an issue that caused you to say, wow, I never, ever knew that or I never, ever thought of that. Uh, so they edit out Bad ideas and keep us from doing harm with our ideas. Here's another good reason for different perspectives in leadership decision-making, and that is they turn good ideas into great ideas. It's not uncommon in our situation for someone to come up with an idea and for everyone to say, well, you know, that's a good idea, but what if we did this instead? Or what if we did this in addition? Or what if we tried this on top of that? Or what if we amended your idea this way and made it uh, this way or tweaked it this way? Or or what if we combined it with another situation that I've been working on uh, to get even more impact out of your idea? So oftentimes when you have different perspectives, you turn good ideas uh, into great ideas. And this just happened again to me recently. I I have an idea for a project that I wanted to do uh, in cooperation with the Western State Conventions. And so I sent out a proposal of the project and uh, the idea and some of the key elements of it uh, to the leaders of those western states. And I got back uh, uh, an email from one particular person saying, I like your idea, but what about these ideas as well? And he listed a series of things that could be done, and some of them I had never even Thought of or dreamed of, it didn't even cross my mind. But when I read through his list, I thought, that'll work, that'll work, that'll work. Man, we need to add that, we need to add that. And so that put me on a revision, a rewrite, if you will, which produced a much better idea. So sometimes different perspectives turn good ideas uh, into great ideas. And on that same project that I just mentioned, when I rolled it out, I said, uh, this is a, an idea, and if we're going to do it, we're going to have to create the funding, and here are some options of where we possibly could get the funding. Well, immediately, a couple of guys said, hey, I, I know where there's some resource that could help with this that's going unused right now. And so uh, they started talking about where they could find resources to fund this project uh, in places I didn't even know existed or had, had no idea about. So once again, good ideas get turned into great ideas when different perspectives are, in, are, are, are allowed into the decision-making process. Okay, here's another way different perspectives help, and that is objections Uh, In the decision-making process among leaders or among the people who are making the decision those objections are usually the same ones that will be heard later from followers and so it gives you the opportunity to practice how you're going to respond to objections or questions or, or concerns that are raised by your followers when you roll out the idea you know, when you, when you come up with an idea, even if it's a good idea and even if it's been vetted by everyone in the leadership process, and even if you've taken out as much of the bad as you can and put in as much of the good as you can, still uh, a new idea can be controversial. It can be uh, difficult to implement. It can require followers to make significant changes. Uh, and so because of those reasons, they're going to raise questions. Uh, they're going to need more, want, qu- raise questions to gain more information. They're going to raise questions to communicate objections. Uh, they're they're going to uh, maybe even voice some resistance. So how do you respond to those things? Well, I think you do, you you practice your response and you sharpen your response by responding first in your leadership decision-making group. Uh, I often go into a meeting and say, all right, this is what we decided now. What are some objections that you guys have had to this Let's go through those again and let me practice how I'm going to respond to those objections when they're voiced publicly. And so we role play, if you will, uh, the, the the objections that may come up, the difficulties that may be raised. And sometimes even in that group, people will say, well, none of us raised this, but here's some things I think you're going to hear when you go forward. And so they'll raise objections that they anticipate other people raising and give me the opportunity to respond to them in that situation. And sometimes I'll respond and then I'll end by saying, you know, that that's a." okay, but I'll say that better the next time. Um, I'll sharpen that for the next time. I'll work on how I communicate that uh, for the next time. And so when you are working through a decision-making process and you have objections or difficulties or challenges in your leadership process itself, uh, and when you finally get to the idea that you're going forward with, those objections can be very helpful to you to learn how to manage the objections and the questions that are going to come in the public venues or in the public situation. Okay, another good reason uh, for group decisions or for uh, shared decisions from different perspectives is that when you wa- once you make the decision, it has uh, gravitas or it has greater weight as you carry it forward into a public venue. We certainly have seen this here at the seminary. Um, when I make a decision by myself, uh, it has one level of weightiness. But when I go to uh, the, the seminary community and I say, uh, the the uh, vice presidents and I have jointly agreed that this is what's best for the seminary. Well, people have confidence in their vice presidents, and so they look at them and they say, "Well, if all those guys have thought this through and agreed on it, then it's more likely, more likely something we ought more than likely it's something we ought to do." But if I go forward and say uh, this is an idea that the vice presidents and I and I have agreed on, and the faculty has worked with us to finalize and they have endorsed it, or they stand with us, or they support us on this, then the seminary says, "Wow, <clears throat> if the administ- senior administration." and the faculty are together on this, then that's probably something we ought to do or that's something we ought to move forward on. Uh, Same thing with the board. When I am able to say, you know, the board of trustees has acted on this and they've acted unanimously to direct the seminary to uh, implement this idea, it gives us a greater gravitas, a greater weightiness to the process. So, for example, in our current strategic planning uh, process that we're working on here at the seminary, I actually went to the board of trustees at the beginning and said, I would like for you to mandate that this process be done and that the final product be delivered to you uh, in October of 2019. Now, I didn't have to ask the board to do that. Um, the, the But I wanted the board to do that because I, when I went to the seminary and said we must initiate a strategic planning process, I wanted them to feel the weight of the fact that this was not just something we were doing on our own or something we were doing in-house, but this was something we were doing in response to and with accountability to our full board of trustees. And that has given a greater sense of weightiness to the process and an urgency about getting it done on time. Now, as a part of that process, we also asked the board to weigh in on how they wanted the process done and to give comment about that so it wasn't them just approving my, my idea, it was me using them to even do the same things I'm talking about on the podcast with that idea of a strategic planning process so that when they adopted it, they owned it, and it was really a, a, a best a, a compilation, if you will, of their best ideas about how they wanted that process to go forward. Now that we're in the process, I have a strategic planning task force that we've appointed, and that group is working together, and we're definitely getting a lot of different perspectives from the people on that group. That group has men, women, different ethnicities, faculty members, non-faculty members, people who've been students, people who were never students. It has all of these different constituencies represented, and then we've sent them out to talk to dozens and dozens and dozens of other people to gain input into the process so that we're hearing a lot of different perspectives on our planning process. Uh, on the planning that we're doing. Now as a result of that we're ultimately going to agree as a task force on a document and we're going to bring that to the faculty. And after the faculty's had an opportunity to process it and give input uh, regarding its contents then ultimately we're going to ask them to endorse it with us. So that when we go to the board of trustees we'll be able to say the president, the senior administration, and the faculty have agreed to present this plan to the board of trustees and ask for your Council and approval on how you'd like the seminary to go forward for the next decade now all of the these different perspectives are creating more ideas than any one person can produce. They're all editing out bad ideas, and especially keep us from adopting ideas that can do harm. They're taking good ideas and turning them into great ideas. They're helping us to vet objections that people may have, and by vetting those objections, either uh, make adjustments, or if we hold to the idea in spite of the objections, learn how to respond to and communicate about those objections when we go forward. And this whole process, as I've just described it, gives greater weightiness to the decisions once they've been made. And then finally, it's been my experience that a group decision-making process using a lot of different perspectives on a particular issue or problem has a capacity to keep us on God's timetable. Now, most leaders uh, rush ahead and want things to happen quickly, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, Most leaders live in the future, and we want to get our organizations there as rapidly as possible. But, But almost all leaders are also cognizant of the fact that Organizations tend to move slower than individuals, and organizations have to be brought through a process of decision-making in order to move them forward with unity and purpose and direction. I call this staying on God's timetable so that the organization moves along at the right time and in the uh, with the right timing and in the right way. Uh The honoring of different perspectives and working collaboratively on a decision until you come to to agreement on it or until you come together on it is often one way that God uses to keep us on His timetable. So, different perspectives. I read some examples of how uh, people saw different situations in the Bible. They saw the resurrection of Lazarus differently. They saw the use of the perfume to anoint Jesus differently. Uh, They saw or heard this voice from heaven differently. And these different perspectives, uh, while each one of them has some different meaning in the context of scripture, I'm not really trying to preach a sermon about them today. I'm trying to draw out this idea. People see things differently. And we can either rail against that or we can own it and have find some value in it. I think in decision-making in most organizations, we need to own the fact that people bring different perspectives to the decision-making process and take advantage of those perspectives in a healthy and positive way. So use these different perspectives to create more ideas, edit out bad ideas, turn good ideas into great ideas, to hear objections and learn how to respond to them. Use these different perspectives to create decisions that have greater weight because of the shared decision-making process, and let this process keep you better in step with God's timing as you move along. When I started out in ministry leadership, I was far too much of a solo leader. I subscribed uh, too heavily to what I call the Moses on the mountain model. I was the leader. That meant I went away, prayed, got God's direction, and came back and announced it to the people, and they all immediately fell in line with whatever ideas I proposed. I've come a long way from that perspective. Now I prefer to lead in the context of a decision making, uh, I prefer to lead in a group decision making context where I have a team of people who work with me to address issues, solve problems, and move the organization forward. I think this is a far better model. I think the Council of Scripture indicates it is so. And certainly my experience as a leader over these 35 years means this is a much better way to make decisions. Now, please don't mishear me. It is still your responsibility as a leader to take the initiative to drive a decision making process, to keep those decisions made in a timely fashion, uh, to make the best decisions possible and implement those and not fall prey to to paralysis analysis. Uh, It is still your responsibility to move your organization along and to make decisions that facilitate that. I'm just simply advocating for a group process that invites different perspectives into the conversation and uses all of the positive that can come from that to make the best decisions possible. Well, I hope this helps you today. A variety of perspectives, it's helpful in decision making. Put this into practice as you lead on.